Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you had a wonderful weekend and uh, happy Thanksgiving. I've been saying to some friends who get it, I've been saying, uh, how, do, how do I how do I word it? Um, uh, happy thanks Christ. Happy thanks Christ. So I'm saying Thanksgiving and Christmas. Why? Because all I'm hearing on television and in uh, ads in the media is, oh, the holidays are coming. Or, you know, how often do you hear a TV commercial come on and it starts off by saying this holiday? Well, what are they talking about? Are they talking about Valentine's Day or is that, that's too far ahead? Are they talking about Halloween? Are they talking about President's Day, Thanksgiving, Boxing Day? I have some Canadian friends that listen in. Um, oh, 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 Christmas. Oh, why don't they say Christmas? So let's be a little bit more um, intentional when we wish people a Merry Christmas and Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks be to God who gives us everything we need for life and for godliness. Um, meaning uh, Thanksgiving, I, I want to thank you guys for sharing my book, Canceling Christianity, on social media. The sales have taken a little dip, but thankfully they've been somewhat consistent. So they're not high sales right now, but they're very consistent. Uh, 152 reviews so far on the book on the Amazon page and still right around the top 10 or 15 uh, in a couple categories for the ebook. And one of those categories is censorship. The other is political freedom. So if you have not read or reviewed the book, please do so, Canceling Christianity. So I want to share a scripture before we get going today, because last week had a great guest on, um, Kevin Nicholson with No Better Friend Corp. And we started off that podcast by sharing Psalm 1, and I think it was the first five or six verses, contrasts the the righteous and the wicked, the righteous and the wicked. We are talking about two different worldviews. We have to be up to speed on the fact that it's either going to fall in one category or the other, God or man. Um, So I also want to share a verse from John 3.19. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. And then Romans 12.21, don't be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. And that's a little bit about uh, what we're going to talk about today with Julaine Appling, president of Wisconsin Family Council. We've got so many articles and issues to discuss, but Julaine, always a pleasure to have you back on Stand Up For The Truth. Good morning. Good morning, David and crew. Always good to be with you. All right. Well, let's uh, get going here. Uh, Starting with, uh, before we get into the headlines and the news stories, I I do want to touch on um, a couple recent events that you've had through Wisconsin Family Council, Wisconsin Family Action, and I've got a couple of your newsletters here. Um, You had an event, I think it was a luncheon, a video luncheon, and you featured Ken Ham, and we had him on the podcast a few weeks ago, very popular uh, downloaded podcast. So share with uh, our listeners what's been happening with you. Well, thanks, David. We try every once in a while to do what we call Lunch with a Purpose, which is a webinar that we sponsor. We try to bring in people who would be recognized or experts in their field and and share an hour or so with the folks who tune in with us. And with most recently, we had Ken Ham on to talk about his latest book. And his latest book is about making sure we don't completely lose the next generation of young people. Mm. And he, you know, in that book, he looks at um, what the church and what families should and could be doing to build into the next generation a biblical worldview. That's really what he camped on during that webinar. Mm-hmm. He talked about how important it is that we start very young and we help young people from the time that their children understand God's view of the world. God's view of 
as you said, you talk about Psalm 1, okay? God's word makes it very clear the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. And, and, and that's pretty much what Ken talked about. We still have that entire uh, webinar available on wifamilycouncil.org, uh, the wifamilycouncil.org on our website. I know it's still out there, just not, I think it's still maybe available right there on the homepage on one of the slides. I encourage people to look at it. We did a Q&A. People were able to um, give us some questions and then we sent them on to uh, Brother Ham. Uh, he was, it was just a really good opportunity. And by the way, we did that, I think on a Tuesday and the next Saturday, he came to Waukesha and did a live rally um, with a Christian radio station down in Milwaukee. And so you guys had him on up there, yep. uh, you know, and so Ken Hamp, look, he's a young earth creationist, but he's more than that. He's an apologist. Yes. He, you know, he, he's, he specializes in apologetics. Um, a, a good Aussie who, who has, who has graced America uh, with his ministry. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, David, if you, if for all our listeners who have not scheduled a trip to Williamstown, Kentucky, to see the ark, mm. they need to do it. It is, it can be life-changing. Um, the month before my brother very, very unexpectedly passed away, he and I and his wife and, and friends of mine met in uh, right there at the ark. And my brother was a believer. I know he was, but he struggled sometimes with different things. And when he saw the ark, his <laughs> comment to me was, Jelaine, this is it. This proves it could all happen. It was just mm. like a light came on. Yes. You know? And that's why so. they built it so people can physically see it. And sadly, a reflection on the church is too many years in Bible school or Bible study on Sunday morning for kids' church. They have referred to the ark, Noah's ark, kind of like as a fable or a story rather than true, actual, literal history. And right. so w because this is available now, it's such a great resource. And as you said, it can be, especially for young children who are forming their worldview, it can be life-changing. Well, it can. And by the way, I'm glad you brought up that story part, David, because Ken Ham said we need to quit using the word story yep. when it comes to biblical accounts. And so organizationally, I've been really attuned to that. We just did a church bulletin insert for December where we used the theme, tell me the story of Jesus. And we did a little footnote and said, we aren't using the word story here as in a myth or something made up or, you know, fiction. We're using this as a referring to a historical account recording an actual historical event. So for all of us that work with children, we need to be careful that we use that word story appropriately and better better yet, as Ken said, try not to use it when we're talking yes. about biblical happenings that are simply recorded. I shouldn't say simply, but are recorded for us in, in scripture as truth. And that's the bedrock, isn't it? Yes. We got to go back to the truth of scripture for building our worldview. So I know we're not splitting hairs here, friends. We are just actually trying to get you, if you have young children, to open up the Bible and say, let's read about some actual history and then read about, you know, in Genesis about Noah's <laughs> experience there. So don't say story. Let me tell you a Bible story to entertain you. No, no, no. Um, let's let's teach you about actual history. Say you um, you brought up Waukesha and we can't go on without really talking a little bit about the tragedy that happened last night. Mass, ca mass casualties. Uh, from what I understand now, all this more facts are coming out, but half of them children, um, a terrorist, I'm calling him a terrorist, and an SUV plowed through a Christmas parade last night. Uh, police ended up firing on the vehicle. Um, there were multiple deaths, according to Fox News. There are more updates coming out as we speak. But the suspect is apparently a male in his late 30s, uh, apparently with posts on his social media, according to... Um, Andy No, NGO, who's done a lot of fantastic work as a citizen journalist on Antifa and Black Lives Matter. He says the man in custody over the mass casualty incident at the Waukesha, Wisconsin Christmas Parade has posts on his social media in support of Black Lives Matter causes, George Floyd and black nationalism. And he also has a post about how to get away with running people over on the street. So before we just, you know, talk a little bit more about this, Julaine, your immediate reaction, and do you, can you add any other facts or details to, this, to what we're talking about? 
Well, first, David, I think we have to be very careful because we we don't know all the facts yet. No, no. Um, I'm glad that they're coming out, and I think we need to be careful about that, and I know you will be and are being. Um, my, my first response is I'm following up on what you talked about, John 319. This is an evil deed. Mm-hmm. This is evil. And this um, gentleman, no matter the reason, no matter, um, you know, no matter what his causes are, there's no excuse for it. It is horrific. It is um, an an attempt to frighten people, to um, wreck lives, to create mayhem and kill and destroy. Sounds like Satan himself, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that Satan's whole purpose? And so, uh, you know, when people get overtaken by evil, they create, they they, um, do evil things and really serious um, things happen. I mean, right now, the fact that what I'm seeing is there are at least five people dead and as you said, uh, a mix of children and adults, and that there are over 40 who have been injured by this. Mm. Um, Hospitals are are still giving reports on some of this. I'm assuming that as the day goes on, we'll hear more about whether these people are critical, whether we've lost more. There's no excuse for this. This is anger. Um, You know, David, I guess I will say one other thing. As you read the report there, from the investigative reporter who specializes in things like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. When you associate with groups like that who have made a standard of talking about uh, riots mm-hmm. and uh, mayhem and you know th- th- dangerous activities, property destroying activities, taking the people p- taking people's lives happen. I-, I I do put some blame on those organizations. They have planted seeds in the minds of very fertile soil yeah. in these folks who are already bent towards that way. And they are, I think they, they bear some culpability here for making it so that people believe that it is okay to do this. Mm. It is not okay by anyone's standard. It is not okay. And right. here are all these people who have come out to enjoy a kickoff parade to begin, and I'm going to be careful how I say this out of deference to you here, David, to begin the time of year where we celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm-hmm. And when it's a special time for families and people in a community to come together, mm-hmm. together in unity to do this. And here you have somebody whose whole agenda is the exact opposite. Yeah. Uh, one final comment on, from my perspective This is a glaring example of a depraved heart and what can happen when someone is at either never heard of the redemption that is available through our Lord Jesus Christ, his salvation and his forgiveness that can take that depraved heart and give it and, and turn it into a new heart, right? I mean, that's what the scripture says. We get a new heart. He writes on our hearts. And that salvation is possible. Uh, This is an example of one of the depths of evil that can happen absent the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Amen. Amen. Mm. And those, uh, many of those have rejected the truth of Christ and rejected truth. And that's why they live the way they live. They're, you reap what you sow, you're either with Christ or against Christ, as Ken Ham would clearly point out when we had him on the podcast, it, you know, you're either for God or against God. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. That's what Jesus said. Um, Molly Beck is a reporter with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and she said this, please pray for everybody. Please pray. My family is safe, but many are not. I held one little girl's head in my hand. She was seizing and she was bleeding out of her ears. I held her mother as she collapsed. Please pray. And so this is an act of evil. Um, We are not going to jump to conclusions, but it's pretty clear that it wasn't an accident that this man went speeding through a parade of uh, just citizens, people celebrating or wanting to celebrate the kickoff to the season. Thanks, Christ. Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Thanks be to God for this season that we have and the, the freedoms we enjoy in America. But, Julaine, really quick, and I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I want to ask your take. 
um, I'm we've we've heard a lot of reactions and we've seen a lot of reactions to the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, jury verdict. And some have promised um, vengeance, violence, whatever. Um, and and I'm wondering if, if we don't know for sure, but I'm wondering if this man who committed this this evil act plowing through people at a parade was that part of his saying, All right, I'm going to get these people, whatever he might have been thinking. It just seems like the timing is very interesting. Well, I, it, it, I, maybe so. You know, Rittenhouse is... <laughs> We're just speculating here. Let's be clear. We're going on record to speculate. Go ahead now. <laughs> I, I got to tell you that where you landed on that, David, took me by surprise, I'll be honest. Um, so, so Waukesha is a western suburb of Milwaukee. Racine, Kenosha, uh, the Kenosha is as far southeast as you can get in Wisconsin, right? Mm -hmm. But but it's a short distance. You take 94 out of Kenosha, you take it straight up, you go right through. You can get you know you can get off at two or three four exits and land in the center of Waukesha. That's close. Yeah, it is close. And uh, is it connected? It it may well be. But but David, I got to tell you, the the myth. The M-Y-T-H-S, the myths that yes. people are believing. On, and and let's, well, maybe I need to say that more clearly. The lies people are believing about the Rittenhouse situation are absolutely amazing to me. The stories are rampant that he, ki that he killed two black people and injured a third black person. They were all white. All three of them were white. If you paid attention to the actual trial if, and you looked yeah. at any of those videos, it is very, very clear these were not. African-Americans. They were not black. Secondly, you know, th th they're talking about how that he had an AK-47. He didn't have that. He had AR-15. Th th there is so much that people are willing to believe yep. by people who are not interested in the truth, giving them that. And they just perpetuate it. And so when you perpetuate that kind of misinformation, or I'm going to call it, does that word ever bother you? Misinformation. Why don't we call it what it is? <laughs> Lies. For most people, it's a lie, right? Yes. Yes. The fancy word would be prevarication. So if that helps people, okay, fine. We'll go with prevarication. Um, I prefer lie, frankly. But, <laughs> but but what happens is when you repeat those lies long enough over news sources that so many people still believe in, mainstream media, um, then then eventually they believe it. And so people like this um, this individual who took that red SUV and went at breakneck speed through the Waukesha parade route last night. Has he been listening to that? Well, if he's if he's engaged with Black Lives Matter and so in these other groups that are, you know, uh, anti-American, then maybe so. Maybe he's believed these lies so long that he said, "I've had it." And they, you know, I don't know. Um, I do know this. According to the news, they have a suspect in custody. Mm -hmm. I do know that the news is reporting that they found the vehicle. Yes. So there's nothing definitive right now that's come out to tell us much about this suspect they have in custody, but I'm sure the Waukesha police will, will help that. But by, by the way, um, when we have our, our most recent events called going local, making communities great again, we begin with an opening section in there that our new executive vice president, Micah Pierce does. And he tells a very interesting story about Waukesha. He was talking about summer of 2020. If you recall in Wauwatosa, David, Wauwatosa was in riot mode. Yeah. Okay. And the police just stood by. I know. But Wauwatosa abuts Waukesha County. Wauwatosa is in Milwaukee County. All right. And then what we found was if you went over to Waukesha County, just stepped into that county, it was calm and quiet and peaceful there. Mm. Why? Because the law enforcement officials wouldn't put up with, with, with what was happening in Wauwatosa. So I say that to say, I think there's a pretty good law enforcement agency there, the Waukesha Police Department and others who are engaged in the Waukesha County Sheriff's Department that will be engaged in all of this. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they won't just wink at this. They will take, they will do whatever it takes to get to the bottom of it. Mm. And where there should be charges, they'll bring charges. I mean, this guy, look, if, if they do indeed have the culprit, the criminal, then he is he is going to get uh, multiple counts of murder, some kind. I, I, I don't know what they'll come down with on the actual charge, some kind of homicide charge for wow. sure. Yeah. So and I, you go ahead. No, no, that's it. 
I was going to say, and uh, I, some people have said it's a hate act of hate. It's an act of terrorism. However you want to label it, we we at the very beginning of this, we we clearly pointed out it's evil. It is evil, and it, and he's got to have some sort of worldview that drives this evil to that kind of action. But uh, when we come back with Julian Appling, some many more stories to talk about, including Baronel Stutzman, Washington. Uh, she's a Christian florist. She agreed to pay money to end a lawsuit over refusal to serve a gay wedding. And also, what you need to know about December 1st, that important Supreme Court case coming up, and the transgender agenda in the public schools. More coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So what you need to know about December 1st, it's almost a week away, and the Supreme Court is going to hear oral arguments concerning a case called Dobbs versus the Jackson Women's Health Organization. Now, that involves Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban law. Um, Basically, uh, the Supreme Court will consider their Gestational Age Act, which prohibits elective abortion after 15 weeks gestation. So this obviously is going to challenge Roe v. Wade and Julaine Appling. Your thoughts on this important case? Well, look, this is a case, David, that a lot of people who have been involved with the pro-life movement over the years, from attorneys and pro-life leaders who aren't attorneys, but all these folks have said this is the best opportunity we have had for the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, I've been on a lot of phone calls about this, a lot of webinars and so forth talking about it. Um, The people tend to believe that the facts of this case could, 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 put the court in a situation where it's easier for them to say, look, Roe v. Wade uh, decided in uh, January of 1973 was not founded according to constitutional um, truth. Let's put it that way. Mm. And therefore, um, we are going to take this opportunity to go a different route. Now, there are a lot of people who believe you'll never hear the court say we are going to overturn Roe v. Wade. But it would, if, the, if it's going to happen, it would happen in the kind of decision that they give. So here's, but to make sure people understand, David, should the court go in the direction that, that functionally overturns Roe v. Wade? It does not mean that we have illegal, that abortion becomes automatically illegal across the country. Mm-hmm. What it means is that it goes back to each state. So every state will then have to determine whether they have a current law in the book that books that criminalizes abortion, whether they have some kind of an amendment in their constitution or they have a court decision or whatever. So it's going to go, should that happen, it will go back to the states. Second thing I want to quickly point out, the oral arguments are at 10 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday, December 1st. I'm going to be, I'm going to be there with our executive vice president. But the most important thing about that is that while those arguments are going to be given over that hour or hour and a half, by the way, t- usually oral arguments before the U.S. Supreme Court are one hour. Mm-hmm. Each side gets 30 minutes. In a major case, sometimes they'll extend it. They did that in Obergefell in 2015 on the marriage issue, but somewhere between an hour and hour and a half. But we will not know the results of the court's decision, their opinion. And I'm going to remind everybody it is an opinion. All right. It's not law. It's opinion. Will pro- will probably not be released until June of next year, and it probably won't be until the end of June. Oh my goodness! The court, well, you know how that goes, <laughs> yes. David. They hold all these major uh, cases until they're ready to leave wa- Washington for a summer break, and they release them on usually um, the last couple of weeks of June, <laughs> and then they get out of Dodge. Yep. You know. <laughs> yep. So, but that's this. This is a. There's going to be rallies at the Supreme Court. Um, building at, I believe most of them are starting at eight o'clock in the morning that day. There are prayer walks. There are all kinds of people coming in from all over the country to be there for, for this historic moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and granted, there could be people from both sides there. Of course. I, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. You know, there so, will be. 
and, and what I would say is, again, if people are going to go from Wisconsin to be there for this historic event, let us know so we can hook up with you and talk mm -hmm. with you and, you know, fellowship together and support th this. And secondly, would we need everybody to make this a matter of prayer that God would rule and overrule in the hearts and minds of all of the justices, the nine justices who are there. Uh, you know, people are now at this point not willing to to say, OK, we got this in the bag. Because there's been so much, um, well, so much, so many surprises along the way from some of these new justices that people are a little less willing to predict yeah. exactly how this goes. Yeah, and especially the ones we thought were conservatives. Um, <laughs> Julian, uh, since you mentioned the states, this is going to come back to the states, or it could. Could you go back and refresh? our memories when it comes to the history in 72, 73, 1973, there were a lot of states, I don't know how many, that had laws banning abortion, and they were all wiped out by that one Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade. Do you remember what that looked like at that time, how many states had laws? I don't remember how many it was, but it was quite a few. Wisconsin was one of them. But I'm going to refine your language just a little bit, sure, David. Sure, sure, sure. Because I want to remind people, courts do not make law. Right, exactly. Okay? They, they don't legislate. And they don't let. Well, they shouldn't legislate. Oh, yeah. I've refined my own language <laughs> Clarifying <here>. again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not their role. Their role is to interpret, okay, based on what? interpret based on the Constitution of the United States of America, state constitutions, if that's appropriate for level of, of courts that we're talking about, or, or statutes or, you know, uh, laws that have been acted, enacted at any level of government. Their, their role is definitely not to make laws. So when the when this U.S. Supreme Court in January of, seven, of 1973 handed down, they're fabricated, totally fabricated out of basically thin air, mm -hmm. uh, certainly not out of the Constitution, uh, U.S. Constitution, Roe v. Wade saying that abortion on demand was legal in all 50 states. What they did is write law. Yeah. So they didn't have the authority to, to revoke any state law. I'll give you a great example. Right here in Wisconsin, we still have on the books a law that criminalizes abortion right now. Nine, let's see, it's 940.04 per in one. Uh, and, and it is still there. Now, every session since I've been doing this in 1997, the, as, I, as far as I recall, it's every session, mm -hmm. the pro-abortion legislators put out a bill to revoke. And that would be appropriate, right? Not the courts to revoke, but through the, through the state legislature to revoke that law. That yes. would be yes. a, a reasonable act on the part of the state legislature, or at least a legal act. So every time that bill has come out, it has been defeated. There has not been the will to remove that law from the books. Mm. So there, the spec, and, and I say this, I, I think it's better than a guess. I think it's better than kind of thin air speculation. We have that law on the books. In theory, if, when and if Roe v. Wade is functionally overturned and this whole issue returns to the states, we at least have a beginning point for saying on the books is a law that outlaws abortion in Wisconsin except for the life of the mother. So, um, you know, so, uh, a number of states are going to be like that. Some states, by the way, David, actually have a constitutional provision in their state constitution uh, to to protect human life wow. in utero. Wow. So uh, the, this this battle is far from over there. Um, I, I would encourage people to go to um, find a way. To, the, the, by the way, the, the hearing will be live streamed. Oral arguments will okay. be available for people to hear. I think the best way to do it is to go to the SCOTUS blog. I think it's scotusblog.com is, is the website for that, David. Uh, they they do any of that kind of live streaming there. It's you know it's probably the best known website for U.S. Supreme Court happenings. Scotusblog.com. So um, look, we need to stay tuned on this. We know that the Texas Heartbeat Law was heard before the U.S. Supreme Court. You know, not uh, what November was it? November first. Yeah, it was right before the uh, <laughs> right before the Virginia gubernatorial election. And I, my my friends in in uh, that were run a group like ours in, in Virginia said, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. How will this impact our you know our election?" But as we know, that election in in 
Virginia turned out okay. And I'm just going to say this as a part of that, David. One of the takeaways for us in Wisconsin on that Virginia election where Glenn Youngkin defeated Terry McAuliffe was the life issue. Mm. What we learned on that was that people don't run from the life issue. There is a solid base of voters for whom life is the number one issue. It's the line in the sand. You don't get that right. I don't vote for you. And it certainly did not hurt Terry Youngkin, who did a very aggressive pro-life counter Hmm. to the very aggressive pro-abortion messaging that Terry McAuliffe did. In addition to the um, parent parental rights issue that came up when McAuliffe said, I don't want parents telling schools what they should be doing and teaching. They shouldn't have any say over what books are in the library. Wow. I know. I know. Wow. So the, the, the takeaway there is the issue of life is something that candidates should not be running from, nor the issue of parental rights. So that all goes together with this uh, Dobbs case and 15-week abortion ban, Texas heartbeat bill and all Yes, that. praise God. So again, that's December 1st, that case at the Supreme Court. Um, let's make this clear, though. Even though, the, was it, uh, what's it, McAuliffe, is that his name? Terry McAuliffe. Yeah, right. even though he said that, he said how people have been acting and thinking for decades that it's not the parents' business to tell <laughs> the schools or the teachers what to teach. Parents, get out of here. So he just said it out loud, but that's that's how they have been. That's their worldview. Um, let's jump over to this other. Now, you mentioned uh, these important issues of life, and, and, uh, and which is a huge issue. Education is a huge issue. But... The Republican National Committee launched an LGBT pride coalition. Now, this is one of the more, I guess, not surprising, but disappointing. It's a head scratcher. But it also shows you how not only the Democrat Party is split on a lot of issues, the Republican Party is split. Now, this coalition is a partnership, apparently, with the Log Cabin Republicans, which describes itself as LGBT conservatives and straight allies who support fairness, freedom, and equality for all. This is a, this is a mess, Jelaine, when you start you know, mixing some of this into the platform of a party who is supposed to be opposing the radical agendas. Go ahead. Well, look, first of all, let's make it clear that the platform of the Republican Party done every four years at the uh, Re- Republican National Convention, it's done on presidential election years. In 2020, the Republicans took a pass on redoing the party platform. Yes. If everybody recalls what they said was, we're just going to leave what we did in 2016 and we're just going to focus on Trump's agenda. That was, so they took a pass on it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is in 2016, David, the Republican uh, national party platform became the most conservative platform in decades. Mm -hmm. And it does not support the LGBTQ plus agenda. Right. It does not in any way. And so so let's talk about this coalition. Okay, yes. Because there are 168 people who are involved in the Republican National Committee, RNC, who make up the governing body of that group. Ronna McDon- McDaniel is the executive director Okay, of that. She's the one who came out with this proposal to have a gay pride coalition. And work more closely with the log cabin Republicans. And here's here's why this is so significant. Have you ever heard the phrase "personnel is policy"? Personnel is policy. No. Well, okay. Well, that's a very popular phrase in the political world and in the policy world. What it boils down to is it it says that who you hire to make decisions creates the policy we all live under. All right. So let's take it. For example, part of this coalition proposed by uh, Mc, uh, McDaniel is that she wants to hire people to put into the uh, RNC, into the committee, people from the log cabin Republicans who are pro LGBTQ plus and have them involved in the decision making of the RNC. So they would become personnel They are going to impact policy. And so here you have this kind of unilateral decision that um, has been made by this executive director 
And, uh, you know, what, what we're telling people, quite honestly, is if you're concerned about this, this anti-Republican Party platform decision made unilaterally, contact our state chairman of our state party, contact the or, or whatever state you happen to be in that you're listening to this broadcast into this podcast and contact your two committee chairmen. You have a usually you have in Wisconsin anyway, where you have a committee man and we have a committee woman who are those direct representatives to the RNC. So you have at least three people who are very much involved with what goes on at the federal level and they work at your state level. Uh, but, but this is a signal that the Republican Party is looking to broaden, I'm going to use a, I hope what a term people understand, broaden that big tent, right? Yeah. So why do they want to broaden it? Because we're heading into midterm elections uh, less than a year from now now. Yeah. And so they're looking to say, oh, y'all come in. We're going to make this tent broader. We're going to include all these people and we're going to pay attention to your policies and what you want. And, and we're going to be so inclusive. And my question, David, and I just did a radio commentary on this last week. Will that tent be big enough to include people like me? <laughs> That's right. You know, will it, because my beliefs are counter to that. Mm -hmm. Will it include people of faith? who say, no, 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 this LGBTQ plus agenda hurts people. We, we aren't hateful. We aren't homophobic. We aren't transphobic. We aren't divisive. We aren't, we aren't, we aren't, you know, intolerant. We are people who so love other people. We don't want them to go down that path because we know that path will hurt them. Yes. Leads to destruction. And it leads to destruction. It leads to destruction of their bodies in so many cases on this transgender thing, irreversible damage with mm -hmm. hormone treatments and surgical procedures. It leads to the destruction of their emotions and, you know, so many other things. And by the way, talking about this trans thing, it, it leads to infertility. Okay. Even if they don't mm -hmm. go the surgical route, some yeah. of these hormones can lead to, in, to you know, infertility. Yes. There are so many things involved here. So it's not because we hate people that we oppose this move by the RNC. Amen. It's because we love people. That's right. And we're sounding a warning. Don't jump over the cliff. Yes. Don't get so near the edge. And so I, I wonder, though, if the Republican Party is beginning to say, you know what? Our tin is big, but it's not big enough for people of faith. Mm. It's not big enough to include people who who we think are intolerant Boy, when they and are bigoted. If they, Go ahead. If they cross that bridge, it's over. Uh, for conservatives and Christians and the Republican Party in America if they cross that bridge. And I hope they don't. I think there's enough. I, I do want to quote uh, Tony Perkins, who you uh, quoted in the uh, November 18 Wisconsin Family Action Newsletter. He said this, at the end of the day, the Republican Party should welcome everyone who supports its policies, but <laughs> not build a big tent at the expense of core values. He said principles like religious freedom, and the scientific reality of biology are non-negotiable. Thank you, Tony Perkins and Julaine. Thank you for putting that quote in your newsletter. It's so important. We have to stand on principle. And, um, boy, once Christians surrender that and accommodate and conform to the world, uh, we're in a lot of trouble. So we've got to take a break. Um, and when we come back, we will touch on that story on the Washington florist Baronelle Stutzman, who's been in legal battles for, I think, eight years, and she's retiring. What does that mean for that case and, uh, you know, the LGBT suing uh, Christian businesses? Well, we'll see more of that. But uh, And we're talking about pedophilia. Are they trying to destigmatize it? Well, yes, they are. Uh, more with Jelaine Appling in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. There are so many stories. We've got to try to do this with Julaine here. Um, important stories to touch on. But let's get this easy one out of the way. I think it's easy one. As you mentioned, building a case against Emperor Evers in Wisconsin and all the things that he's been doing. Um, you sent me this before the podcast. Evers is giving COVID money to Planned Parenthood. Go ahead, Jelaine. <laughs> yeah, Evers got the COVID money that he gets to, get to give out in, the, in grants, was supposed to be used, David, for critical services that have been given in the healthcare area and other a few other areas uh, during COVID. So it's uh, so far they've given out 10 
they've given out, I think it's $5 million of the 10 millions that have been given to the state. And of that 5 million, $1.4 million Mm. has been given to 21 different Planned Parenthood agencies across Wisconsin. Um, Milwaukee has been the highest amounts of money there. There's one Milwaukee Planned Parenthood uh, agency over there that got over $300,000. And then there's some around the state that have gotten as low as 4,000. That's 25% of the amount of, of money that he has already dispersed. What critical health care service does Planned Parenthood give? Abortion is never health care, and it certainly isn't critical health care. And the other health care services Planned Parenthood uh, says they perform are sketchy at best, David. That's the governor. But what do we know? Planned Parenthood helped Governor Evers get elected. Yeah. I saw a source saying recently that they spent over $700,000 mm-hmm. in helping him get elected. And Tony Evers has never walked away from his pro-abortion stance and his love for Planned Parenthood. That's just where he is. And he's doing what comes naturally to someone with his worldview. Right. And we'd made the case strongly a few weeks ago on this podcast with Dr. Jake Jacobs um, on the fact that the public schools and the unions are scratching the Democrat Party's back. They fund each other and they fund Planned Parenthood. And then the money is just it's just like the circle um, but let's talk, touch on one other point that we forgot before we move on. Um, you said that there's a new Guinness World Record uh, for, <laughs> for the um, youngest uh, preemie, premature baby yeah. surviving. I, I think I remember that headline, but tell us about it. Well, it actually has a Wisconsin tie. Wow. In, in 2020, uh, June of 2020, there was a baby born in Minnesota to parents who lived in Wisconsin. So he's actually a Wisconsin citizen, all <laughs> right? <clears throat> and he was born 31 weeks premature. Wow. All right? Not 31, 131, 131. weeks. Okay. He was, well, let me, let me rephrase that. He was born at a gestational age of 132 weeks. There we go. 132 okay. weeks, right? Okay. So, so this is the youngest. Okay. Well, he, well, he was the youngest. Okay. He was born in June of 2020. Guinness says in order to be the longest or the youngest surviving preemie, you have to make it to your first birthday. All right. So in June of 21, this just this past June, this little boy, Richard, um, Curtis, I think is uh, Richard. I'm going to get his last name wrong. Um, (laughs) little boy, Wisconsin boy born to Wisconsin parents had the distinct um, record holding of being the youngest preemie to survive. All right. But in July of 2021 <laughs> or July of 2020, excuse me, another baby was born in Alabama and he survived to July of 2021. And he was born 132 weeks at at 131 weeks gestational. So there was one week difference in their gestational. Okay. okay? So, so our Wisconsin little boy had the distinction of holding the Guinness world record for being the, the youngest preemie to be born and survive for five weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So this other little boy in July, he celebrated his birthday. And so just earlier this month, Guinness got around to saying, yeah, we've proven it. This little boy who was born in Alabama Think about how young what both of these babies, David, were less than a pound wow. when they were born. Wow! And how how long? If you take you know the, um, I don't have it's not weeks, it's days. Mm-hmm. I hope I said that. I didn't say that right. One hundred thirty-one days and one hundred thirty-two days. That's right. Because look, nine times if you take um, nine times thirty, it's two hundred seventy. Yeah, that's days. Okay, it's days. They don't. We only have 52 weeks in a year. We exactly. can't get to 131 weeks. Yeah, I didn't want to okay. say anything, but I Well, I'm glad you, I, well, you should have. You should have said, hey, moron. No. Uh, this is been, days we're I talking understand. about. You've been out of school for a while, and <laughs> ma- math was never one of my strongest suits, so we're- We're, uh, we're talking days. We're at we're a talking disadvantage. Days. Yes, so okay. days. So, so these babies, you know, if, 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 if let's take, you know, if they go full 36 weeks, 36 times seven is what, 200 and, I don't know- <laughs> Get do your the math calculator there. out. I know. Get my calculator out. Um, but but these babies are are I mean in- incredibly premature. Yeah. Incredibly, and I mean less than a pound, and they survive. They get to their first birthdays. You know this is amazing. In the same 
in the same news cycle for all practical purposes that we read about these miracle babies. We read about our governor giving money to our state's largest abortion provider, bar none. Well, yeah, the nations well, and the states. Well, we can safely say or conclude that the Democrats don't want these babies to survive. They want them dead. Otherwise, they wouldn't be funding death. It's the slaughter of the preborn. They are infants. They are human beings. They are living, breathing human lives. At some point, they feel pain. Their hearts are beating. You have to stop a beating heart in an abortion procedure. And if it, it, if that's not evil, and by the way, we've made this point again, forgive my redundance, that in the Bible, it considers a pregnant woman to be with child. And also, by the way, the word fetus, the Latin meaning for that, for fetus is little one or offspring. So this is just this is this just a sad, evil worldview on the left. It is. And, it, it, you know, you talk about genocide. Oh, my goodness. Mm. You know, uh, so Tony, that, that's Tony, Tony Evers' belief system. Yep. He's not the only governor in the United States with that belief system. He's not the only person at a high level of, of, of elected capacity that believes that way. We have them all over this country. And, and they are bereft of truth. They have been taken captive by a lie, yeah. a lie that is from the father of lies, Satan himself. We we got to keep bringing this back for Christians to biblical and a biblical understanding. We can't wink at this. We can't say, well, it's okay. You know, if we do this and it's not, I wouldn't do it, but it's okay for other people. No, it's not. Mm. Yep. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. That I hear. So that's so much from the next generation, the younger generations, David. Well, I wouldn't do it, but who am I to judge them? We exactly. judge evil. Yep. We judge evil. Amen. Hey, Jillian, we've got to uh, try to wrap this up. A couple more stories to touch on, and, and the one we promised we'd talk about is the, just Baronel Stutzman, what she's been through for eight years. She was serving these uh, gay customers in her flower shop, but when they decided to get married, that's the time, after years of being friends and serving them, that's the time she said, no, I cannot do this, and now she's retiring. She agreed to pay uh, $5,000 to end a lawsuit over refusal to serve their wedding. I think that was in 2013. Just want to share her quote and then get your response. She said, I've never had to compromise my conscience or go against my faith. I've met so many, many wonderful people who've generously offered me their prayers and encouragement and support. There is a great deal of division at work in our country today, but God has shown me again and again that his love is stronger than the anger and the pain so many are feeling. And he's given me countless opportunities to share his love with others along the way. End quote. Wow. I, I pray that we could all have that perspective. Jelaine? God bless Baronel. Yes. Um, have the privilege of being in some meetings where I've heard her speak. She's an amazing woman. But let me say, first of all, David, this is not waving the white flag. Mm-hmm. Baronel did not wave the white flag. If she, the, the Supreme Court had twice refused to hear her case. Mm. So, if this thing had to land somewhere and she was, and, and you know, her de- decision was constantly against her, right? She was standing to lose her retirement, her business and everything, yeah. everything. $5,000 to settle this case for $5,000 and to be able to walk away with her head held high because she did the right thing. Listen, nobody has taken more darts and arrows and you know, rock throwing, proverbially speaking, than Baronel Stutzman. And she has stood tall, faithful, gracious in the midst of it every single time under threats that most of us will never encounter. God bless her. I hope that she and her husband are able to retire and, you know, in peace and and go and continue to share the love of Jesus Christ. God bless her. Yes. And so um, in the last uh, six minutes that we have here, actually five minutes now, Jelaine, uh, we touched on this story last week. You and I are not going to be able to get into it in depth, but a college professor at Old Dominion University came out and called for destigmatizing pedophilia, or MAP, which stands for Minor Attracted Persons. Not surprising. We knew this was coming. There are a lot of professors with that same worldview, but he happened to speak up and write a book about it. Um, but this goes hand in hand with another issue that you're writing about, that you shared in your newsletter about the Wisconsin parents that had to sue their school district because they, uh, for a policy that facilitates and affirms a minor student's gender transition at school, even over parents' objections. So share a little bit about that one. 
Well, this is the second suit on that on that same issue. Madison in Madison, there's says underway on the same issue. So this Kenosha one, this Kenosha deal actually started with a phone call to our office, David, a lady oh, wow. called and said, yeah, said, this is happening. And she said, what do I do? And I said, you, I, I will give you a name for a person at Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, call them immediately. Because mm. I knew this lawsuit was going on in Madison and she did. And uh, we are so glad that Will is doing this. This is, an, this is an abrogation of parental rights. There's no way that parents should not know what's going on with their children at school. In Madison, they even tell faculty and staff to lie to parents yep. if they need to. Yep. So look, the, the you said it earlier, there is, has been and there is continuing to be a belief system in our public schools that children belong to the state, to the to the public entity, if you will. And I state, I include government schools, not to parents. I sat in a hearing earlier this year where a, parents, a, a teacher said on, on a bill we were debating, having a public hearing on, she said, parents think they know what's best for, for their children, but really we do. Come on. That, that's not accurate. So here a parent had to bring a lawsuit uh, to be able to protect her child in the Kettle Moraine School District. I'll just also tell you that quickly that a parent was denied access to, this, to her child's classroom. And Will stepped in and is also going, I got them to say, wait and it allows parents to go into classrooms. You can't override that. Parents need to take active measures to be involved with their kids. That that should be a, a lesson that all parents listening should take to heart. Wow. The battle continues, whether it's over masks or critical race <laughs> theory or LGBTQ propaganda or the worldview of evolution and ignoring the biblical worldview in the government-run antichrist public schools. This is not going to go away, it's, and it's going to be an ongoing battle, friends. Continue fighting the good fight of faith. Jelaine, two minutes left. Let's talk about Thanksgiving. And um, I, I mentioned to you before we got on the air today that our pastor did a wonderful sermon yesterday. The first 10 minutes was just about re, reminding us of the actual true history of America and the separatists that came over, uh, in, over at Plymouth Colony and got this wonderful thing going called Christianity in the new land in America. That's what is their goal, to advance the Christian faith and live as if everyone is equal and we have inalienable rights here. So share your thoughts on how much we have to be thankful for, no matter what's going on with COVID and everything else around us. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. It's a uniquely American holiday, and it is a, a blessing beyond measure that we still live in a country where we recognize it. This mm -hmm. is the 400th anniversary yes. of the first Thanksgiving in, in America. Mm -hmm. You know what? These separatists took—look, they took every risk that you and I can imagine to cross the Atlantic Ocean at late in the season, enduring a small a small ship, all kinds of bad weather, sickness. They get over here, they spend the first year uh, losing half their population, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and then they have a good bounty the next year, and, and we have this wonderful feast of celebration and giving thanks to God. This is a time, no matter the adversity we're facing, David— for us as American Christians to get on our knees before a holy God and say, praise you, thank you, all glory and honor to you for what you've given us. What mm. a thankful people we should be. Julianne Appling, Wisconsin Family Council. Sign up to get her newsletter, and uh, it's, it's wonderful, packed with information. You have a God bless your health, Julianne, and you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. Right back at you, friend. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, tomorrow, we are going to have Carl Teichrib back with us, talking about world religions and uh, all kinds of things going on worldwide with cults and religions, and he always keeps us up to speed on that. And we will have uh, Dr. Erwin Lutzer. That podcast will re-air on Wednesday about his book, We Will Not Be Silenced, and then Thanksgiving Day, Thursday. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.